Welcome to the podcast of Christ Church in Town in Jacksonville, Florida. We are seeking the renewal of all things in Jesus Christ. Towards that end, we are committed to cultivating personal transformation in Christ, an uncommon fellowship of racially and economically diverse individuals, and the flourishing of our neighbors. To join our local body in membership or financial support, visit ChristChurchInTown.org. Well, it's a great, uh, great uh, to be here with you, particularly the, the honor and the privilege I have to give you God's word. Uh, as Dave just alluded, you know, uh, what is about to happen, what is going to happen is that we don't hear from me, but we hear from God. The very creator of heaven and earth comes and speaks to us. And this summer, you've been doing a little series called The, the Church is One Foundation, as you have walked through this epistle of First Timothy, where Paul says, Timothy, there is things that you need to know as you organize and as you put together your church. Uh, you need to think through elders and deacons and leadership. Um, you need to think through doctrine or what you believe and why that matters. Um, and as we see, as we'll see in the passage this, this morning, uh, the reality is that we need wisdom. We need guidance. Uh, nobody does this perfectly. Uh, and that we need God, the very creator of the, uh, the creator of the heavens and earth, to come alongside of us, uh, to teach us, to mold us, uh, to give us light as we live in this world. And this morning we're going to look at 1 Timothy chapter 5, verses 17 through chapter 6, verse 2. And this section you'll see is how you should honor your elders. Um, I'm going to assume that Dave and Will just got lucky. Uh, as we are looking at a passage that talks about how you pay your pastors, how you discipline your pastors, and then there's at the very end, there's this little thing about slaves and masters. Um, maybe there might be a little extra in my check on my way home. Um, uh, and as we think through this, I, I know as we talk about payment and honor, Dave and Willie are going to be on the edge of their seats listening and my prayer and hope is that you would be on your edge of your seats as well as we give attention to God's holy and wonderful word. So with all that said, please stand as we read God's word. First uh, Timothy chapter 5, verses 17 through chapter 6, verse 2. Let the elders who rule well be considered worthy of double honor, especially those who labor in preaching and teaching, for the scripture says, you shall not muzzle an ox who treads out the grain, and the labor deserves his wages. Do, do not omit a charge against an elder except on the evidence of two or three witnesses. As for those who persist in sin, rebuke them in the presence of all, so that the rest may stand in fear. In the presence of God and of Christ Jesus and the elect angels, I charge you to keep these rules without prejudging and doing nothing from partiality. Do not be hasty in the laying of hands, nor take part in the sins of others. Keep yourself pure. No longer drink only wine, but use a little wine for the sake of your stomach and the frequent ailments. The sins of some are conspicuous, conspicuous, going before them to judgment, but the sins of others appear later. So also good works are... Con con ooh. Thank you. Um, and even, I was just making sure you're paying attention. And even those, 
that are, are, are not cannot be hidden. That all who, who are under a yoke of bond, bond servants regard their own master as worthy of all honor. So the name of God and teaching may not be revived. Those who are believing masters must not be disrespectful on the ground that they are brothers. Rather, they must serve all the better since those who benefit by their good service are believers and beloved. Teach and urge these things. This is the word of the Lord, and it's absolutely true, and it's given to us in love. Let's, you can be seated. Let's pray. Uh, dear Gracious Father, we, we thank you so much. Uh, we thank you for, for giving us a place that we can come and worship you, that we can sing songs that remind us of your goodness. And we thank you that you are a God who speaks to us, that you have given us your one and only, one and only word that's living and active. It's the very light unto our feet. And this morning as we think through just the church and leadership and, and the honor that's there with elders and leadership, that we would, uh, that we would be thoughtful of how we, how we live within this house, the family of God. And we promise you a great and wonderful name. Amen. Um, sometimes being a pastor, you cut, pastor, you come to a certain passage where it kind of, you kind of feel like Forky at the end of Toy Story 4. Anybody seen this movie over the summer? Um, my kids have, uh, about a week ago. Um, and at the very end there, Forky meets Knifey for the very first time at the very end of the movie. Uh, Bonnie goes to school for the very first time, for the first day of school. And I want you to listen to this conversation. Uh, Jesse... Um, the cowgirl, just in case you need to get your barons. Uh, guys, listen, Bonnie had a great day in the first grade. She even made a new friend in class, Rex, the dinosaur. Oh, she's already making friends? Jesse, no, no, she made a new friend. Come out, it's okay. Forky, seeing Knifey. Hi, uh, I'm Forky. Knife, knifey says, trash? No, no, toy. I am, we are, are toys, unique, beautiful toys. I will explain everything. Knifey, how am I alive? I don't, Forky, I don't know. So this morning we come to this passage where the passage is saying, honor your elders. But at the same time, we all know that they all fall short. And it leaves our head scratching. Where do we go? And here, Paul gives us wisdom. He explains the, the importance of, a, of relationships within the church, especially elders. How do we honor them? Especially when they do wrong. When they, are, when they do wrong. Uh, we'll also see that this passage is also like the super Presbyterian passage. Um, We'll see why here, in particular in the, the PCA, that there's teaching elders and ruling elders and all those distinctions. Um, and so this passage is going to be how we relate to our leaders. And we're going to see uh, four things. We are called to honor our leaders. We're called to hold our leaders accountable. Thirdly, we are called to be careful in selecting and ordaining our leaders. And then we're going to see why all this matters. First, we are called 
to honor our leaders. Uh, Listen to verses 17 and 18 again. Let the elders who rule, who rule well, be considered worthy of double honor, especially those who, who labor in preaching and teaching. For the scripture says, you shall not muzzle an ox when, when it treads out the grain, and the laborer deserves its wages. So Paul here is saying a lot in these couple of verses, and the main point that we need to get across is one, is that we need to honor our leaders. Uh, the elders of this church, you have ruling elders and teaching elders, lead this church. And in, in verse 18, Paul gives us a glimpse that this is not glamorous work. I mean, Dave, how does it feel that, you're, that you have been associated as, as an ox? Um, that animal that's dirty and ugly and pushes things all day long. Um, that here we see that pastors are an ox. They, they are the ones who tread out the grain. And the reality is that being an elder, being one who's in leadership, the one who is taking care of this family of God, it is tough work. Uh, I know Willie, I know Dave, I know Kyle. I mean, these are men who I know who, are, who pray for you and cry for you and work hard for you, make tough decisions for you. And the reality is, is that most of the work that elders do is not seen. This is why the, the, the joke that is not very funny is, Oh, you pastors, you only work one day a week because this is all you see. You don't see what happens like at 12.01 until all the way next week. Of all the things that the text message, the emails, the calls, and so on and so forth, the meetings. Because the reality is this, is what we do here, what elders do, it's tough. Um, And Paul says, honor them because their work, what they do, is to bring glory to the very namesake of our Savior. So honor them. Uh, for, this is where in the, the passage gets a little super Presbyterian. Um, verse 17, where maybe you haven't worried about, thought about this, but why, you know, why does this church have ruling elders? Why does Kyle get all sweaty before the service and, uh, and helps with things? And then Dave and Willard, those are the only two that kind of always preach. And this is, this is your proof text. Uh, you can memorize this and make Dave and Willie happy that you know what it looks like to be a Presbyterian. Is, is this is the verse. Is that here Paul says that there's, there's distinction between rule, elders who rule and then ones who also teach. Um, we have ruling elders in the front part of verse 17. It says, let the, the elders who rule, rule well, being considered worthy of double honor, and then teaching elders, especially those who labor in preaching and teaching. And so here, Paul gives us a glimpse of how the the church should be organized, that we've got elders who help out with the overall uh, leadership and shepherding and and guidance of the church, but also we have elders who teach. Um, And this passage is kind of awkward, as we kind of already mentioned at the very forefront, is that this passage sounds a little self-serving. Um, honestly, it's a little awkward to, to be your missionary. The guy you support, the one who I fundraise for, is here. What you should be doing is pay your pastors well. Pay Dave, pay Willie well. Um, Amen. <laughs> uh, you know, it's saying this, double honor. You should honor and respect me for who I am and what I'm doing, but also you need to pay me. Um, I'm assuming that you pay, well, I'm not going to assume. Um, and you should, you know, you should honor. 
Willie and Dave and even we'll slide in Kyle and all your other ruling elders that you might have in the future is that, that you should honor them, pray for them, take care of them, respect them. Get a glimpse of what they do week, out, week in and week out. Um, and here the first is the reason you honor these elders, particularly these teaching elders, the ones who, who preach by paying them, is because this is what the Bible tells you to do. Verse 18, the scripture says, you shall not muzzle an ox when it treads out the grain. Uh, this is from Moses, from Deuteronomy, chapter 25, verse 4. And then the labor deserves its, ra- its wages. Uh, from Luke 10, from the very mouth of Jesus. Uh, oh, side note, uh, maybe some of your Bibles actually had that verse in red. And so here, Paul is making a distinction that the very words of Jesus, the very words from the Gospel of Luke, is that of Scripture. Is God's word. Um, and so here we, that Jesus carries authority and he, and he is saying that we must take care of those, those men who get in front of you week in, week out to preach the very, very holy word of God. But I, I would say that there's a bigger principle here. There's something here working behind the scenes to really communicate the importance of respecting the office of an elder. See, part of our ordination vows, part of the vows that you took to Dave and Will is that you would take care of them in such a way that they are free of worldly cares, as it's put. But why is that? How, how strange, I mean, in the outside world, that is strange. Trust me. Uh, for the people who are out there, for, for them to know and to realize that you pay and probably pay a lot of money to take care of these men so they could study week in and week out, this ancient text that's thousands of years old from the ancient Near East to study it. Uh, um, And that, you know, we all know they can only really work one day a week. Uh, But the reality out there is that this is a strange reality for, and even within the Christian church, there's some churches that do not pay their pastors, uh, that the men come up here and take turns, and, and we all share that burden. Um, but this is a, a strange thing here that's at work here. Uh, in college, uh, I grew up in, in Orange Park. Uh, and at the end of my I went to FCCJ for a little bit, Kent Campus. And at the very end of that college career, I worked at Bath and Body Works in the Orange Park Mall. And I was finishing up at FCCJ, and and transferring to a Christian college where I was going to major in Bible and youth ministry. Do you know all the weird looks I got? Like, you're going to do what? You're going to major? Like, what are you going to do with that? I mean, hopefully I'll be a pastor one day, but if not, I'll probably be working at Starbucks. I mean, that's going to be kind of the reality. Um, and even if you, when, I t- when I'm on the college campus and I say I have a master's degree, and they ask you, well, what kind of master's degree? What did you study? A master's in divinity. And they're like, a what? And, and so the world out there thinks this whole idea of us expending a lot of time and money in the very studying of God's word communicates. Um, and the reason that you pay your pastors is that you are declaring what is important to you. Yeah. And maybe without you even knowing it. Yeah. Is that the reason you pay Dave and Willie to study and to preach God's word is that you believe this Bible, this book, this ancient test is more than just an old book. But it's actually the very word of God that's living and active, that is the very lamp unto our feet, that, that leads us and guides us. 
And so as you pay your pastors, Dave and Willie, and in a sense, I would say, as you help pay me to preach the word, as, as Dave put it, you are putting in an, a teaching elder of the PCA on a college campus. And, and the reason you're doing that is, is that not because you think me and Dave are great and Willie, but you're doing it because you think God's word is great. Amen. That it is bigger and better and it's something that we need, and we need someone. We need men to take time to read it, to study it, and to preach it to us. Um, and so the reason that you pay your pastors is not because you think they're great. It's because you think God's word is great. Um, and again, I would just say this is a humbling calling. Just for, for, for me to know that I have the freedom to listen and to read and study God's word, to, to tell the biggest and the most wonderful message of all time. That, that I get to declare the great things that God has done for me and for you and for us on the college campus at UNF. And so, so honor your elders. Second point, we are called to hold our leaders accountable. Uh, listen to verses 19 through 21. Do not omit a charge against an elder except on the evidence of two or three witnesses. As for those who persist in sin, rebuke them in the presence of all so that the rest may stand in fear. In the presence of God and of Christ Jesus and the elect angels, I charge you to keep these rules without prejudging, doing nothing from partiality. If you thought preaching on paying a pastor is a little awkward, huh? How much more is it to keeping one accountable? Um, and the second thing that Paul encourages Timothy and the rest of us is that we need to honor these men in such a way because what they are doing. They are commuting. They are declaring the very word of God, the, the truth of salvation to the very ends of the earth. And because of that, we need to keep these men accountable. Um, we live in an age where the, the mess-ups of pastors are very well known. They show up on Facebook posts. Uh, um, even the most, one of the most well-known podcasts today is the, the Rise and Fall of Mars Hill, where it retells the story of one of the biggest churches in America uh, slipping away. Um, we can all tell stories of great destruction caused by the church by allowing pastors and elders to do what they want. And some of you, or maybe even all of us have stories to tell of how the church has hurt us. And Paul is, is telling Timothy that to, to be brave, to, to keep your elders, your fellow elders accountable, to be watchful. Um, and the reason that this is tough, again, as I just mentioned, is that we have all, in, in some degree, maybe smaller than and some of us very significantly, have been hurt by the church. And here... Paul says, Timothy, keep those men accountable. Be watchful. Be with them in such a way that you take care of them. And here in this passage, we see that, that Paul gives them wisdom because we, pastors are visible. Uh, you, know, you know, we stand up here, our, our lives, our, our Facebook walls, our, our Instagrams, all things are noticeable, and people talk about all those things, what we say and, and what we do and how we do those things. You all have opinions of how Dave and how Willie and even how I am preaching right now. Because we're visible people. And, 
And the reality is that we are going to mess up. We're not perfect. And, and what Paul is saying, Timothy, you need to be watchful. And here are some things to listen through. Again, this is, again, super Presbyterian. Um, BCO, we have this thing called the Book of Church Order. So hopefully you never have to use chapters 33 through 35 uh, on Dave or Willie. Um, but here, Paul gives us, gives Timothy, here, here's some things, here's some guidance as you think through how to keep these elders accountable. First, in verse 19, he says, Do not omit a charge against an elder except on the evidence of two or three witnesses. Um, again, this is, I think, a very, uh, I think Paul is saying there's, it's so easy for the church to go sideways over one person who might gossip, who might say something about the pastor. And so we should even listen uh, to an evidence of what an elder has done except from two or three witnesses. Um, and, and to be honest with me, this is a verse where I really scratched my head over because so much has been done and so much has been hurt by people who are, who are in private, who are in secret. Um, um, but here, God gives us a wisdom uh, that, that if something needs to, be com- that needs to come out to be known, that there will be witnesses of two or three to come forward. Second, we see in verse 20, um, as for those who persist in sin, rebuke them in the presence of all so that the rest may stand in fear. Um, you know, again, I've, you know, as a, I remember, I mean, I've been in the ministry now for 16 years. Um, and I have stories to tell that keep me in check of my dear friends who have been called out in public of what they have done wrong. And where the church has said, come and, and live in line of the gospel. Continue to remember the gospel. It puts me in fear of man, but also that of God. And so here, uh, uh, Paul is saying this, not because he wants to, uh, to shame the elders of the church, but because there's a lot at stake here. Um, and then lastly, verse 21 uh, in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus and of the elect angels, uh, I will charge you to keep these rules without prejudging, doing nothing from partiality. Um, I mean, there Paul gives us a sense of a, uh, a, witness, a witness stand. Uh, again, you feel the weight when you realize that when, you, when, a, when an elder has so, d- done something wrong, that you have God, Christ Jesus, and the elect angels there as a witness in the very presence of them. And so here you can feel the, these three verses, the weight of what it looks like for us to keep an elder accountable. Um, Dave will talk about what an elect angel is next week, so come back. Um, But again, you could feel the weight of the big deal uh, that we are called to keep our elders accountable. And so I would encourage you, as you get to know Dave, as you get to know Willie, as you get to know your other elders, is is don't assume anything on them. Get to know them. Invite them to coffee. When there's a a question of curiosity or concern about what they've said or what they're doing or how they're doing it, it's just to, to go to them. Know that they are brothers. 
And that as you do so, you have God and Christ Jesus and the elect angels there as you uh, encourage your, your brothers in the Lord, your elders. The third point we are called is that we are, uh, we are called to honor our, our elders. We're called to keep them accountable. Thirdly, we are called to be careful in selecting and ordaining our leaders. And this makes a lot more sense after we just looked at those last three verses. Because the reality is that, as we'll see here, is that eventually sin is going to come crouching at the door. It's going to come to light. And so we're going to need to know who our elders are. And so here you need to be slow. You need to be careful as you select your elders. Um, And Paul tells Timothy, so be careful. Do not rush. Don't be hasty on the laying on of hands. That's the the picture of of ordination. Maybe you remember when when it happened to Willie uh, just, uh, you know, not too long ago. Um, or, to, or to your ruling elders or, or you know, leadership that you'll have coming that, that you know just being at that service, the weight that's involved. And Paul is telling Timothy is don't take that quickly. Be careful. Ordination is not something to take it lightly. Um, again, if a church is not careful of who they ordain, uh, they will likely will have a mess on their hands. So here, Timothy, and again, as Timothy is, Paul's writing Timothy to probably to help him think through what's going on there in Ephesus, is saying, be careful of how you nominate, how you select, how you train, how you appoint, and then mostly importantly, how you ordain your elders. Um, back, me and my wife, as we were dating, anybody want to hear a dating story of me and me and my wife. Um, I remember the very first weekend, me and Nikki met at middle school camp, but not as middle schoolers, uh, as 25-year-olds. Um, and um, we met and we exchanged numbers. And, and I remember the very first weekend, I drove down to visit her, uh, to go on some dates, uh, to spend the weekend and, uh, and to get to know her. Um, and she, as looking back, she thinks she's tricky, but she's not. But she put me in a number of situations to really see who I was. Uh, so I stayed at a friend's house that she really trusted and loved, one of the elders of her church. We went to a 12-year-old's birthday party. She was a teacher at the time. Uh, we had dinner and played games. Uh, she, you know, she's super competitive. Um, to see how that's going to work, you know. And so on and so on. It was t- you know, it was just like a day and a half. It was like, boom, boom, like... What other else thing can we do to see who I am? Um, and that's the reality. As you date someone, you try to get to know them, to, to have confidence that they are the right person, that they are people of character. And as you consider elders and deacons for leadership, how much more should you take your time uh, to get to know them as you nominate them, as you train them, as you ordain them? Maybe take them to a 12-year-old's birthday party. You'll learn a lot about a person. Um, Come back at four um, and see how they parent uh, with that bounce house. Um, And so here, uh, again, Paul is telling Timothy, again, this is, again, you know, maybe the the super Presbyterianism of of the PCA particularly is that 
we don't take this lightly. Uh, if you think through, looking at, the, again, the BCO 16 through 21, of all what needs to be done for someone to get ordained, uh, particularly a teaching elder. Um, and so as you think through elders and deacons in this church, think through men who have the very tender heart of Christ, that the gospel has changed their lives in such a way that they are, they are molded and shaped by the gospel, that they're not perfect. But when they are, as Paul puts it in Galatians 2, as they move a little offline in the gospel, that they are able to move back on it, uh, that they have a soft heart, um, that they have confidence to, to love and to take care and to serve the, uh, the lovable and the unlovable. Uh, uh, make sure that they are, they're tough, because they're going to have to keep each other accountable in that room. And so when you are selecting, be careful to pick men who are tender because of the gospel in such a way that they are walking in line on the gospel and they're willing to be corrected at times. And so this passage so far we'll see that we have been, that we need to honor our leaders, we need to keep our leaders accountable, and we need to be careful in selecting and ordaining our leaders. Lastly, we're going to look at why does this matter? Uh, the reason this matters is that honor is a big deal to God. Uh, verses 1 and 2 of chapter 6. Um, as we look at this passage, the first thing that we need to note is that slavery, uh, what we're going to see here in these two passages where slaves need to obey their masters. And the first thing that we need to see is that in the, in the first century, in the, in the uh, Greek and Roman world, um, slavery was radically different than what, than what we think of here in America. Um, uh, most people and slaves in the first century became slaves because of war and economic um, situations. Um, It was rarely racially motivated. Um, and we'll see in 1 Corinthians 7 and, and even Philemon, there's a sense if you, if you can get out of being a slave, do so. Um, but the reality is this, is even as we think through this slave-master dichotomy, is that it's a difficult situation. And what Paul is encouraging Timothy to encourage this church is that, that in the midst of difficult circumstances... As you being a slave, as you being a bond servant, maybe this is a situation you didn't dream that you would be in, that you would bring glory to God, that you would honor God in the midst of your tough circumstance. Again, listen to verses one and two. Let all who, who are under a yoke as a bond servant regard their own master as worthy of all honor so that the name of God and the teaching may not be revived. Those who have been believing masters must not be disrespectful on the ground that they are brothers, where they must serve all the better since those who benefit by their good service are believers and beloved. And here Paul drops there in, the very, in verse 1 that the reason you do this um, is that you regard their own masters as worthy of all honor. And the reality is this is, is God cares about 
honor. We saw at the very beginning of the text that the elder should be that of double honor. And here he says, slaves, in the midst of your hard circumstances, circumstances you do not want to be in, honor your masters. And we see this, this concern about, um, and the reality is this, is that how we respect our elders, as we respect masters, maybe our boss, our coworkers, communicates a lot about us. And here, God cares about, about us and about what we believe, in particular about our God. And God cares about his reputation. Um, his concern about what outsiders think of Christianity is, is a concern that comes up, comes up and again in First Timothy. You saw this in chapter 2, where Christians are instructed to lead a peaceful and quiet life, godly and dignified in every way with the hope that all men will be saved and come in the knowledge of the truth. Verse 3, it stated that church leaders must be well thought of by outsiders. And here in verse 5, that Christians are told to provide for their widows so they would be uh, maybe with, without reproach. In short, God wants his people to be careful of how they are coming across because how they honor widows and elders and their masters, or their bosses, or, or, or whoever that person is in that hard, difficult circumstance, is that you are telling a story about your God, your creator, and your savior. And so our God cares about how you come across, particularly those people who are not in this room right now. So take care of your widows. Take care of your elders and honor and respect those who are above you. Because the way you do that, the posture that you lay, will tell a story to a world out there that is longing for redemption. A world that is time and time again have been hurt. Wondering where they can go to find rest and restoration. And as we tell a story, a different story, that the, the, this house, this family of God, this building, is a place of honor and respect for all types of people, the, the unlovely and the lovable, the, the educated and the uneducated, that we come here with honor. And so the reason that all matters is that the way we posture ourselves as we relate to one another brings honor to our Lord and our Savior. And as we close, as we wrap up this message, think through that. Ponder as you Think through, again, who your Savior is. That Jesus Christ, the one who lived and died for you, he is the ultimate shepherd of the sheep. He is your ultimate elder. That he has, loves you in such a way that he does not, when he was there on the cross, did not stop loving you, but he continues to work out his salvation here within this church. That this is why the Bible says that salvation belongs here on Mount Zion, the Mount of the Living God. So that when you come here, that the men that God has put before you, here soon as you come forward, as you taste and see that the Lord is good, that the one who will feed you will be the better elders that God has given you. And so take comfort that you are loved and adored, that the, the men in front of you are not perfect. They will never be until the very coming of Jesus. But the God who has called them 
and ordained him as perfect. That he is working out his salvation and he's working it in and through you. And as you honor the people that God has put over you, your elders, even the, your jobs, that boss that you keep complaining about, that as you present yourselves, respect them. Because as you do that, you'll bring glory to the very namesake of our God. Let's pray. Dear Grace of Father, we again, we thank you so much for your word. It's living and active. It's powerful. And even this morning as we look at this passage um, here in 1 Timothy, that we, uh, there's a lot of things that we can draw our attention to of honor and respect. And I pray that we would draw our attention to you mostly. Our, our God, our Savior, our Redeemer and friend. And that as we honor you, that you would humble us in such a way that we would, that we would show respect and honor than the people around us. Our elders, our, the widows around us, our, our bosses, our coworkers, our neighbors. I pray for Christ Church in town. I pray that you would, that this will be a place that continues to take your word, your Bible seriously in such a way that you would uh, take care of their pastors so that they would be free of worldly care so that they can, that they would read and study the word in such a way that we would get a sense of the kingdom of God here as it is in heaven. Again, I thank you for Christ Church in town. I pray that you would be with them. Lead them, guide them. Let them be a witness to a world that is hurting and lost. And we pray all this in your great and wonderful name. Amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast. If you would like more information or would like to help support the local body of Christ Church in town, please visit our website at ChristChurchInTown.org. 